Greetings, everyone. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons, and it's Tuesday, October the 31st, and this is Narrative Wars. If you didn't notice, last week was a huge week in the news. The war between Israel and Hamas, it continues. But this week, we focus and we pivot on the U.S. Congress, where after three weeks of painful deliberation, we now have a new Speaker of the House. And you'd be shocked to find out who was behind the three-week delay in the United States House of Representatives. We also pivot to the the woke wars in the United States where the nation's favorite queer beer, that's Bud Light, has a new ploy to pivot and park their brand with a quintessential masculine company. And we'll find out who that is. Also, author and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza is at it again with his new edge-of-your-seat film, Police State. And finally, we continue our frightening October series by looking into something truly scary about this year's Halloween treats. All of this on today's episode of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and you don't want to miss this. We the people are sick and tired. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars, with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired So tired Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. We're going to jump right into this first story. It's about the new Speaker of the House, sort of an unknown person. Of course, he's known to his constituents. He's from Louisiana, Representative Mike Johnson of the great state of Louisiana. And we're going to listen to a portion of the speech that he gave after he was unanimously voted in by his Republican caucus and Republican colleagues, uh, 220 votes, unanimously voted in on the very first ballot to become the next Speaker of the House of the United States of America. Let's take a listen to this cut. We may pause a few times uh, as we listen to this cut because it's rather lengthy. It's two minutes and 37 seconds. The original speech went a whole lot longer. You can listen to it. It's in the show notes, but let's take a listen right now. Uh, this is cut number 1A. We, we are the beacon of freedom, and we must preserve this grand experiment in self-governance. It still is. We're only 247 years into this grand experiment. We don't know how long it will last, but we do know that the founders, to take, the founders told us to take good care of it. I want to tell all my colleagues here what I told the Republicans in that room last night. I don't believe there are any coincidences in a matter like this. I, I believe that Scripture, the Bible, is <clears throat> very clear, that, that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. And, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. This is my belief. I believe that each one of us has a huge responsibility today to use the gifts that God has given us to serve the extraordinary people of this great country, and they deserve it. 
and to ensure that our republic remains standing as the great beacon of light and hope and freedom in a world that desperately needs it. Now, this is absolutely remarkable because he immediately uh, gives tribute to God. Now, just prior to that quote, he talked about a number of the people uh, that are working, the staff members, the different people that support the House of uh, Representatives. And basically, a number of these staff members, they're nonpartisan. They support uh, whoever is in leadership. But he thanked them, which that was remarkable. But then he talked about the Bible, and he mentioned that every one of us, he believes, uh, has been risen up for uh, leadership. Basically, the whole notion that we are created in the image of God, that we're on this earth uh, at this time, uh, because we could have been born at any time and born anywhere, but we're uh, in this country at this time, and he's saying you're serving here uh, for a purpose to be fulfilled, uh, something higher and larger than yourself. And of course, there are many members that don't believe that, but he does. I don't believe that he is just kind of uh, whipping it up and and uh, suddenly uh, espousing these sorts of ideas and and sharing them with the members of Congress. Uh, this is something that's truly inside of him. It's something that makes him click. It's something that uh, is the heartbeat of who he is. And it's important because as he's sharing, we get to know who this uh, Mike Johnson uh, from the state of Louisiana. Let's continue with this uh, first cut, which is, uh, again, it's cut number 1A. It was in 1962, in 1962, that, that our national motto, In God We Trust, was adorned above this rostrum. And if you look at the little uh, guide that they give uh, tourists and constituents who come and, and, and visit the house, if you turn in there to about page 14 in the middle of that guide, it tells you the history of this. And it says very simply, these words were placed here above us. This motto was placed here as a rebuke of the Cold War era philosophy of the Soviet Union. That philosophy was Marxism and communism, which begins with the premise that there is no God. This is a critical distinction that is also articulated in our nation's birth certificate. We know the language well, the famous second paragraph that we used to have children memorize in school, and, and they don't do that so often anymore, but they should. G.K. Chesterton was the famous British philosopher and statesman, and he said one time, America is the only nation in the world that is founded upon a creed. And he said it's listed with almost theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. What is our creed? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal. And they are endowed by the, the same inalienable rights, with the same inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That is the, that is the creed that has animated our nation since its founding, that has made us the great nation that we are. Again, this is absolutely remarkable. He's talking about, the, now the rostrum is where he stands, and that is the, the raised platform and the place where the Speaker of the House stands and looks out 
uh, across the hundreds of members uh, that make up uh, the Congress of the United States of America. And remember, there are hundreds of members of the United States House because that they are determined by the size of our nation. So as the population grows, uh, the size of the House of Representatives uh, has to grow. That's why we do a census every 10 years. It's in the Constitution, and, and we do that in order to determine what will be the future representation, how many con congressmen will be in the House of Representatives. And of course, the Senate is always fixed. It's always uh, two people for every state. We've got 50 states, and so there are 100 people in the Senate. Now, having said that, uh, he was referring to In God We Trust. Now, I've been to the United States Capitol. I've taken the tour. I recommend it to every American. You should go, and you should go inside of the uh, the Senate building and the House building. And uh, the best time to go is when Congress and the Senate are in session so that you can go in and go up to the gallery and just listen for a bit and, and watch how business is conducted. So you, you need to contact your representative or senator in order to get the pass and, and take that tour. It's well worth doing, and of course it's free because you already paid for it with your tax dollars. Go figure. But above the rostrum, the place where the Speaker of the House stands, there are words that are written out quite large, and it says, In God We Trust. And that's what he's referring to and he's referring to the handout that you get when you take the little tour. In fact, he even said, oh, it's around page 14 in there. So you can see the teacher in him. Uh, he was a law professor, but he uh, has been a teacher, as have I. And he loves to uh, talk about history and uh, why we are, what we are. And uh, he loves to talk about the Constitution, uh, the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. And so that's what you heard. Again, this is who he is as a person. A couple of other things to mention here. Uh, and he quoted from G.K. Chesterton. Some of you may be familiar with Chesterton, uh, who was quite a prolific writer. He wrote both fiction and nonfiction. Uh, the Father Brown Mysteries, which you may be familiar with, that's G.K. Chesterton. He also uh, talked about, later in his speech, he talked about, uh, we need to pass a bill to support Israel. That's going to be our first bill. Uh, he addresses uh, the southern border and the fentanyl crisis uh, in the United States of America. So these are his priorities. First of all, uh, let's uh, just get this done in terms of supporting Israel. And uh, right, uh, number two and number three, we need to address the southern border, the fentanyl crisis, and then he outlines we need to address inflation and the high spending in the United States of America, which is driving it. Most Americans don't understand it. Spending went through the roof uh, during COVID, and when you have too many dollars chasing uh, the same amount of goods and services, that's what it causes uh, inflation. And what has not happened is that the high amount of spending that uh, federal spending we're talking about that took place during the uh, COVID crisis, uh, 2020 all the way through 2022 and, and, and a bit farther, depends on the state, 
uh, because there was also a federal stimulus uh, taking place at that time. Some of the states actually decided to stop uh, taking that federal money because uh, they got smart and they saw that people weren't working. They were just sitting home and playing video games. But uh, that being said, he wants to rein in the federal spending. And uh, what's so interesting is, is to watch this. I, I strongly urge you to watch this. It's in, the, it's in the notes. But when he says, we need to address the situation at the southern border of the United States, we need to address the fentanyl crisis, which is killing tens of thousands of Americans. In fact, it may be up to 100,000 now because it's been going on a number of years. Not a single Democrat stood up and clapped. And that is an image that you need to understand. This is something that, that, that happened in the House of Representatives. And when he said, we need to get inflation under control and we need to rein in federal spending. We need to curb federal, federal spending. Stop spending so much money. We're $2.2 trillion. That's our projected debt. Overspending, $2.2 trillion. When he said we need to stop that behavior, not a single Democrat stood up and clapped in favor of that. And, if, and in both of these measures, every single Republican stood up and clapped. Every single Republican stood up and clapped when he said we need to protect the southern border, we need to stop the fentanyl crisis, and we need to rein in federal government spending. Every single Republican stood up. When he said that the national debt is the greatest threat to national security, only a handful of Democrats stood and clapped. I mean, from the, from the angle that I saw, you could count them on one hand. And this is pathetic. This is pathetic. This is what Democrats are. This is what they do. They just love to spend OPM, other people's money. Now, we're going to pivot now, and we're going to move on. He is outstanding. And, and uh, as conservatives, we could not hope for a better choice. He is also very strong in terms of pro-life. But let's take a listen to this follow-up cut. This is 1B, and this is Representative Nancy Mace. You might remember she was one of the eight that voted to vacate Speaker McCarthy, who we've called out on this program as a rhino, as someone not concerned about the national debt, as someone who does not care about $2.2 trillion overspending in 2023, not concerned, not, not really concerned about the border or the fentanyl crisis. Let's see what Nancy May says and how she explains the three-week delay. Why did it take three weeks to select the next Speaker of the House? Let's take a listen to this cut number 1B. Well, this almost, I just want to be clear, and I think Matt Gaetz verified this yesterday, this almost didn't happen because the disgraced former Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, every time someone ascended, he would knife them in the back and they, and they couldn't become Speaker. But thank God... 
we have now Mike Johnson, who is a strong conservative, a man of faith, and someone who's going to work hard. And guess what? He's not a part of the establishment. He's not a part of one of K Street's favorites, right? And he's going to come under fire over the next few days. And Mike Johnson will do fine. He's a man of faith. He's a brilliant constitutional lawyer. Uh, he's very, very smart. Uh, he's very, very grounded. He's got a great team that's coming around him. Yeah, I just want to go back to that night of what 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 grip was broken when you guys stood up and it was all unmasked. What, what the central thing? It just wasn't McCarthy as an individual. It's the way the system runs. What did you guys break? So I want to unpack a couple of things here, and that was from the war room. You probably recognize his voice. That was Steve Bannon, and he's having a conversation with Representative Nancy Mace. There were, of course, caucus votes. In other words, the Republican members. And they vote off the U.S. House floor and they decide who they want to put up, who they want to elect as the next Speaker of the House. This is normal. This is done all the time. This is done on a weekly basis. They caucus and they decide what the priorities are and, and how they're going to put it together. When Nancy Mace mentions K Street, she's talking about the lobbyists. And here's the thing. People go on and on about, oh, uh, Speaker McCarthy, we don't want to lose him. He's great fundraiser, $100 million. Well, you know, this is just lobbyist money. The lobbyists are going to throw money at whoever is in leadership. That is how it's done in the swamp. This is how they manipulate and push their agenda. This is how, this is what they do. And the stunning thing is that out of nowhere person from Louisiana, U.S. House, becomes the speaker, and he's not connected to all these K Street people. The other thing that she pointed out is that it was McCarthy who stabbed each of these others in the back. It was McCarthy that pretended that he was on board, but behind the scenes... Behind the scenes, he was fighting and kicking and screaming and dragging this thing out over three weeks. And in the back of his mind, he was probably thinking, look, if we drag this thing out long enough, the American public is just going to clamor for it. You know, OK, let's just go back to McCarthy because uh, they're completely broken, at least McCarthy could conduct business, but that's not what happened. Uh, listen again uh, uh, to the rest of this cut 1B where Nancy Mace explains in a little more detail what happened and how they selected a new Speaker of the House. It was the D.C. establishment. That is what we broke. And this was about the power the few people that have power in this in this country, K Street and downtown and, and those in, in leadership, this, the former speaker, this is about people versus power and the people won over. And the one thing I want to say, Steve, is that the war room posse was a huge part of that because people spoke up. They called their members of Congress and told them that the vote to vacate the former speaker was the right vote. And we need to get a conservative, someone who would be honest be trustworthy and tell the truth to the American people. And that's what we were able to deliver. But it was not it was not easy because the former speaker went kicking and screaming this week, had had meltdowns in our conferences. A lot of threats were made. I've had a lot of threats on my life uh, in the last week or so. I've received at least four death threats 
over over my vote and over my convictions to change the direction of Washington and change the direction of this country. This is Representative Nancy Mace, and she said she had four death threats because she had the backbone and the courage to stand with one of the eight. Because we, we, we all hear about Matt Gates, Matt Gates, you either love him or hate him. Matt Gates, he's the one that caused all this. No, it was Speaker McCarthy's rhino behavior, his ineptness, his, well, we're just going to create another CR, continuing resolution, and then we're just going to depend on uh, the U.S. Senate to uh, send us a, a porculous bill a few days before Christmas. Uh, we'll all approve it, and then we'll uh, have Christmas and uh, not do our job another year and, and go $2.2 trillion in debt. Well, how much debt, dear listener? We're at 33 point, I believe it's 33.5, 33.6 trillion dollars in debt. How much does it take for you, dear listener, to be uncomfortable? I'm extremely uncomfortable with that figure. And so was Matt Gates. And I just want to go on record to say that Matt Gates and the other courageous seven that voted with him making eight Eight Republicans, they vacated the speaker, and now we have representative from Louisiana, Mike Johnson. Everything can change. This is a game changer. All right, moving on to our next piece. Uh, Bud Light uh, is in the news and again, and it looks like they've struck a $100 million deal and they found a new, uh, very manly, very masculine company uh, to connect with in order to uh, shirk that uh, trans controversy. Uh, they don't, apparently, apparently they don't want to be the queer beer anymore on the shelf of uh, your local grocery store, liquor store, uh, wherever you uh, find spirits, uh, or, or your football game uh, where they sell beer. Let's take a listen to this. This is cut number 2A. Well, first of all, let me start with, uh, you know, they, they were the first beer company that we really did business with. They're our first real big sponsor uh, when we were getting started. And now we're back with them. And going into this deal, you know, I, I know all the controversy and everything else, but for myself, going into a long-term deal with another sponsor, I want to be with somebody that I'm actually aligned with. And I know people are, we're upset with what they did, but uh, I'm looking at all the good things that they do. You know, they, they employ 65,000 Americans. They have thousands of vets that work for them. They spend $700 million a year with U.S. farmers using their crops to make their products and many, many other great things that Anheuser-Busch has done uh, in this country. And those are the things that I'm focused on. Uh, when I look at a long-term sponsor that's gonna be, we're gonna, we're gonna do a six-year deal here. I want to be with somebody that I'm aligned with. All those things that I just mentioned to you are what I'm all about. 
Well, if you're somebody that tracks UFC fighting in the octagon, then you would have recognized that's the voice of uh, Dana White, the uh, CEO uh, behind UFC. So here's the spoiler alert. Bud Light has struck a $100 million deal with UFC to be the official beer, the official beverage of uh, the UFC. And apparently, you just heard it there, uh, this was Fox News, October 25th, 2023. Uh, apparently, it is a six-year deal between a Bud Light and uh, UFC. So Bud Light wants to get rid of their skirt uh, around their can, and they want to put on uh, those gloves. They're not boxing gloves. I'm not sure what they call them, but they use a certain type of glove in the octagon. So that was UFC President Dana White, and he was reacting to this. And the deal is supposed to take place uh, or begin on January the 1st. Well, we already have controversy out there. I put it out to the listeners of this program, and I uh, I asked a question, a pretty simple question. I put, uh, Bud Light is trying to buy their way out of the Dylan Mulvaney uh, beer purgatory by signing Bud Light as $100 million sponsored to the male-dominated sport of UFC fighting. Uh, Bud Light is making a desperate PR pivot by trading in a skirt and stepping into the octagon. Will the ploy work? This, would I, this is what I put out on Getter. Will the ploy work? Will manly former Bud Light drinkers return to the brand? Uh, so uh, here is what uh, people responded, and here's what they said. Uh, Trump won again, wrote, I'm not watching, meaning I'm not going to watch UFC fighting if that queer beer is advertised in the octagon. No way I'll cancel my ESPN uh, if it is. Mark ALJ uh, writes, no thanks, PBR will do just fine. He doesn't write it out, but uh, I assume he means perhaps Blue Ribbon. Uh, he has made the switch. And then Captain Kirk, zero uh, five one night. Well, he doesn't waste any words. He just writes a, a one-word response. Nope. So remember, my question is, uh, will the ploy work? Or will the former Bud Light drinkers, will they return to the brand? And Captain Kirk 0519 simply says, nope. That ain't gonna happen. Well, there's more to the story here. We're gonna take a listen to a piece that was put up by Oscar Willis, but let's take a listen to this. This is cut number 2B, and Dana White is talking uh, to his critics about signing this deal and responding to the critics saying, ah, we're not too happy about uh, you signing uh, with queer beer Bud Light. Let's take a listen to this cut number 2B. Everybody talks about, oh, you did it for money. Hey, dummies, all sponsorship deals are about money, okay? So when you talk about being a sellout, I had multiple deals in front of me. So it's not like, oh, Bud Light showed up and they were the only option I had to get money. You know, you're stupid that is to think that you know this was all about and i said this yesterday and i'll say it again everybody on every side of this deal that were involved other beer companies and everything else 
absolutely positively know that this was not about money for me. We were going to end up with money with no matter who we ended up with. For Anheuser-Busch, it was about values, core values for me. I'm at a point in my life and I'm at a point in my career where nothing is just about money anymore. I am very aligned and I saw some other today uh, saying, uh, oh, it sounds like, uh, sounds like they wrote him a, a script on what to say. Nobody writes me a script. Nobody tells me what to say, ever. I do things because when, when I come out and I say something publicly, if you look at every quote, right, that, that I put out, you can ask Lene, every quote is me. Every quote is me, everything that's posted on social media is me, and everything that comes out of this mouth is me. Nobody tells me what to say and nobody tells me what to do. Well, there it is, raw and out of the mouth of the CEO of UFC fighting, Octagon fighting, that's Dana White, responding with empathy and understanding to his critics. Wow. Wow, that was, that was a great job. We're going to see how that does if Bud Light can reverse the 25 to 30 to, in some regions, as much as 35% drop in sales. We'll find out in January. So we'll continue to track this story, and it should be interesting to see what happens. And we'll keep this story on the shelf, and we'll file it in the box that says, More to Come. Narrative Wars is excited to announce that we are about to cross over the 4,000 download mark this week. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Narrative Wars listeners. And thank you, uh, standby happy people that love to clap on cue. You know, I, I don't even have to pay these people. They just show up. You know, I don't know where they come from. Uh, we also continue to expand uh, our audience, both in the United States and internationally. Again, we give a shout out to our international listeners in the United Kingdom, Brazil, Australia, and Equatorial Guinea and finally, Israel. Also, a big shout out to those listeners who are now following us on social media. Uh, you can find us on both Getter and Truth Social. That's Getter, spelled G-E-T-T-R. Uh, we don't have a lot of people on Truth Social, but I know uh, Truth Social has about 2 million patriots over there. Uh, they just haven't found us yet. So if you're a big Truth social user, you can find us. Uh, just search for at Jeffrey K. Lyons. That's Lyons with a Y, at Jeffrey K. Lyons. And we're right there, uh, Getter and True Social. For more information, visit our website at narrativewars.org, narrativewars.org. And you can find links to about a dozen different podcasting apps. Uh, you can listen to us on your favorite uh, podcasting app and please five-star rate, follow, and send our podcast to two to three like-minded friends. That's how we continue to expand the Narrative Wars posse. We do truly appreciate your support. You are the reason why we do this program. And now, let's continue. 
All right, we're going to jump into our final uh, story here before our uh, concluding segment, which we call The Bigger Picture. Now, this story has to do with a new film that just uh, hit the theaters, and uh, I was uh, very uh, fortunate to uh, see it on Friday. I actually watched the uh, live stream, and so you could watch it at home. Uh, and uh, then after the film, uh, there was commentary there. So I'm talking about uh, uh, Dinesh D'Souza's uh, brand new uh, documentary film uh, called Police State. And I think it'll be pretty self-explanatory when you hear this, what the movie's about. Uh, This is cut number three. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. I've never seen anything like it. It may be the Russia other people grew up in, but not my America. FBI warrant, come to the door now! There's a heavy banging at my door. Open up! It's 15 marked units on my property. I got SWAT in the back of my house. It took a battering ram my door. 6 a.m. I hear boom, boom, boom. And hear about six to eight military-style soldiers. With the tallest one of them pointing an automatic rifle at my head. FBI, we have an arrest warrant. Shock you out of sleep, drag you out of your house, have clothes, refuse to give you a warrant, ransack your house. Now I'm facing 15 years in federal prison for doing nothing other than exercising my right to free speech. I had no reason to be attacked. I hope that you remember Matt's name and the role you played in killing him. How did we give the state this kind of power? 9-11 changed everything. We're going to expand the Bureau from law enforcement to domestic intelligence. Legal shackles are now off. It used to be Islamic terrorism. That threat has kind of dissipated. Our focus is shifting. They're moving to domestic extremism. Really paints anybody who's right of center. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. So you heard a lot of voices there. Now, they did some reenactments of these storming of American citizens busting into their houses. They're eating breakfast at 6.30 in the morning. Husband, wife, children are there. And the only crime that some of these people did was they stood outside of the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th. Now, he does an excellent job of narrating this story and painting a picture of how the United States of America has descended into becoming a police state, and how that was accelerated after September 11, 2001. There are interviews with Representative Jim Jordan, Senator Rand Paul, and also interviews with talk show host Dan Bongino. You've also got whistleblowers in the film, people that have worked in high tech, 
and talking about how high tech has colluded with the U.S. government and also has participated in censoring information, particularly information about the laptop, the laptop from hell, Hunter Biden's laptop, which has been corroborated and is the real deal. And yet over 50 former United States officials, including high up officers in the military said, no, this was Russian disinformation. They all lied. They all lied. And this was done intentionally in order to tilt the election in favor of Joe Biden. Here's an example of some of the points uh, that are uh, covered in this film. Trump facing dozens of indictments. Moms and dads that have been uh, dubbed domestic terrorists by doing what? By showing up at a PTA meeting and opposing pornographic books in the library. They're extremists now. Finally, here's another article that was in, uh, regarding police state. This was in Epic Times, October 27, uh, 2023. And mentioned in this article, a couple of takeaways uh, is that the government overthrow tactics that are taking place in the United States of America, very similar to Nazi Germany, Soviet Union, communist China. And this is particularly interesting uh, they mention that what is taking place here, this slow trip down the trail of Marxism that has been taking place after September 11, 2001, what are we seeing here? And we're seeing this slow descent, this death by a thousand cuts of the United States of America. And we've talked about this in prior programs. This is fifth generation warfare. This is the plan to overthrow the United States of America by Marxists and by anarchists. They are playing the long game. They want people to be discouraged and yet let your heart not be troubled. The more people that see this film, as millions and millions of Americans see this film prior to the holidays, when people become aware of it, when people talk to each other, when people post information about this film, Police State, and put it out on their social media accounts, when America is aware of what is taking place, when freedom of speech is allowed to occur. That is the greatest resistance to the police state. Now we turn to the final segment of our program, which we like to call The Bigger Picture. And in today's edition of The Bigger Picture, we open with a strange and yet true tale of soaring sweet treats. So let's take a listen to this. This is cut number four. Halloween candy is 7.5% more expensive right now compared to this time last year, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And prices of candy have risen almost twice as fast as general groceries during that same period. It's partly because the cost of ingredients have risen, according to Lindsay Booker, the vice president of finance and administration at Bouquet Confections, a Bozeman candy manufacturer. It feels like the cost of goods just continue to rise. 
dairy products have become pretty expensive. Um, we've probably seen the biggest increase in dairy um, in a long time. Heavy cream and butter are essential ingredients for the production of caramels at Bouquet Confections. Despite these obstacles, Booker says demand for their confections is trending upwards, potentially signaling that higher candy prices are not enough to spook customers. I'm here in downtown Bozeman talking to people about whether rising prices are having any impact on how much Halloween candy they're buying this holiday season. Are you buying Halloween candy this year? Um, yes, but probably not as much as we usually do, just because I think it's getting too expensive. I'm going to have to dial back my expenditure by maybe only getting the four pack instead of the big bag so that I'm just going to trick or treat to myself rather than to anybody else because of inflation. I don't want to have the bad candy at my house, so it definitely affects what I'm purchasing and how much, but you know, at the end of the day, it's for the kids, so I'll buy the good stuff and enough of it. Well, according to Statistica, and again, uh, the uh, show notes uh, have links to these uh, stories, Halloween spending is projected to increase to, oh, from 10.6, not million, billion dollars to 12.2 billion in 2023. So, you know, we talked earlier you know, our first story was uh, about the House of Representatives wanting to get a hold of inflation, uh, want to wrestle in and uh, restrict the out-of-control federal budget, but people are still spending an increasing amount on Halloween candy. Pretty interesting. 2023 study or survey also showed that about 7 out of 10 Americans participated in Halloween in some sort of way in the Halloween festivities, uh, including decorations or it could be costumes, party, and of course, candy, as our first story talked about. Now, according to USA Today, costume sales are the biggest money maker category. Well, you know, if you're uh, a person who shops for Halloween goodies for your kids, uh, you already knew that because uh, if you've got two kids, three kids, oh my goodness, uh, you know, it can add up uh, the cost of those costumes. Uh, the average family spends a little over 100 smackers uh, every year on Halloween at the uh, costumes and the candy and all the other accoutrements that uh, go with uh, Halloween. It's not that I'm opposed to parties and food, which I'm not, but doesn't it seem to be a bit disconnected, incongruent, sort of a conflict that in the midst of high inflation, Americans are still on the path to spend a record $12.2 billion on Halloween candy and various accoutrements. Well, perhaps it's just a reflection of who we are as, as Americans. We tend to be optimistic in the face of bad news that surrounds us. Or perhaps we look forward to that moment of escape from the doom and gloom news that faces us each day as we rise. After all, there's always chocolate. Or perhaps it's all a throwback to those fond childhood memories and celebrating the past and the games that we played with our friends during that time. Well, whatever the reason, catharsis or a throwback to a kinder, gentler time, we as Americans seem to rally around certain 
core values. Values like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We also recognize that these choices are unalienable and given to us by the Creator. So this Halloween, whether you choose to spend your hard-earned money on candy and costumes, or you choose not to spend any additional money at all, like me, who's part of that grinchy, you know, 30%, nah, not going to do it. I'm going to save the money for something else. Well, that's the nature of liberty. It's your choice in this land of the free and home of the brave. And that's a comforting thought. Until next time, for Narrative Wars, I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired. So tired.